Thank you all for uh, making your way through the marathon and the rain to be here. And uh, thank you uh, for maintaining this uh, Unitarian Universalist congregation. Obviously, it's uh, your gifts of uh, time, and talent, and money that have allowed this community to continue so it might be available here for others. Here, I imagine you have felt and uh, supported that liberal spirit of Unitarian Universalism. I also believe in that spirit, and I want to help it grow. Because it has nurtured me, it has changed me for the better. I became a Unitarian Universalist at the age of 20. I was born and raised in Wausau, Wisconsin, just about 200 miles east of here. And I remember when at 20 I first started attending and became a member of the First Universalist Church in Wassa. I so enjoyed the services, but in some way I even enjoyed the people more. And the reason is they were so interesting. Interesting because I found them to be both accepting and challenging all at the same time. As a newcomer, I would approach people at coffee hour, and I'd introduce myself saying, Hi, my name is Stefan Papa, and I'm an atheist. And I'd just wait to see if they would yell at me or try to hit me the way my parents did, or my prior religious affiliation. But you know, they didn't. They didn't even flinch. And what would happen is eventually they would say something like, Well, you're welcome here. And we're glad you've discovered what you don't believe. But have you started to think about what you do believe? What I found was a community in which I could be honest. And what I found was that I was both accepted and challenged to keep on growing. And that is what our congregations offer us today. As part of the association, we covenant to affirm and promote, in the words of the second principle, acceptance of one another and encouragement to spiritual growth. Are we accepting one another as partners in growing our faith? Are we encouraging one another in spiritual growth? There's a story about one of our more traditional Unitarian Universalist congregations in the Northeast, Boston area. The church building there is uh, rather uh, more traditional looking, let's say, uh, a New England kind of congregation, and the members rather formal. The welcome was stiff, and the ushers officious. And into this church came a visitor one day who, feeling awkward, kind of held back, sat in the back of the church and all. But the minister, who spoke about the spirit of love and truth and justice, and being moved by the minister's words, this visitor, all of a sudden in a service, shouted out, Hallelujah! (laughs) Well, needless to say, the crowd was surprised. The minister was flattered. As the minister continued to speak of religious freedom, she yelled, Amen, and then, Hallelujah, again. Well, the ushers gathered in the back of the sanctuary for a little consultation, and one of them was sent forth to speak with the woman. And he approached her and said, "Uh, Madam, is there anything wrong? 
But she said, why no? I just got religion. He said, well, you didn't get it here, lady. He said, don't do it here. (laughs) Well, things have changed. You can get religion here. You could in the past. Thank you very much, brother and sister. (laughs) Amen. You could in the past get religion here, and you can get religion here once again. We have a new, more clear identity that we are in the religion business. As one of our ministers, Earl Holt, put it, we are an alternative religion, not an alternative to religion. We are once again now explicitly encouraging spiritual growth. This is a change. And for some of us, especially long-time Unitarian Universalists, it may be a bit challenging. I have heard many of you speak disparagingly of this new interest in spirituality, saying, if you can't define it, you shouldn't do it. Well, there are a lot of things we should do that we can't define, like love. So it is, for example, that uh, this change to develop spiritually has been a challenge for me too. For example, I once confessed in a sermon to the sin of intellectual elitism. But in order to do so, I had to kind of create this other persona of a UU revivalist who I called the little Reverend Stuffy R. Papa. Because I couldn't quite say it myself. And yet it was of me I was speaking. I wasn't easily transformed. But over those years of work, my theology has changed, for example. And I try now to practice meditation and prayer in order to manage my anxiety and uncertainty in a world where everything, including my religion, is changing. I changed jobs just two years ago. A favorite part of my position as the lead organizer for Association Sunday is to visit Unitarian Universalist congregations. They are all wonderfully distinctive and yet clearly share the same values, affirm the same principles and purposes. I visit mostly with the ministers of the churches, and I am inspired by seeing the pride they have in the congregations they serve. I love talking with them. We talk about church and ministry, the association, our way in religion, and the future of our faith. Ministers are loyal. They serve their congregations and the association, and a larger vision of who we are and should be. However, a number of them, like me sometimes and perhaps you, wonder and worry about the future of our faith. Some are afraid that we are dying religion. For example, I've heard it said that our heyday was in the 1850s. And in fact, there were more Unitarian Universalists then than there are now. And when you consider what the population was then versus now, we have become more and more insignificant. Some think that we have changed too much. Others think that we have not changed enough. 
Some think spirituality is leading us astray. Others worry that we are not being spiritual enough for our chaotic world of today. Some of them are desperately searching for a core message, an articulation that would unite us and lead us into the future. Others think it's impossible for us to come to such a consensus. Some say in despair that ours is more like a donut hole religion, that there is nothing at our center. In my opinion, we are not just conflicted about the word spirituality. We are afraid of the spirit itself. We are acutely aware of the corruptions of the spirit, of religious and political charlatans claiming to speak for it. We are wary of anyone who claims to speak for God, to confuse the masses with misinformation, to arouse them with zealous ideological oratory. But the potential power of the spirit is too important for us to ignore. Team spirit, group spirit bonds people and makes them more effective in reaching their goals. And individually, we all have times when it is necessary to trust the spirit, some spirit, any spirit, some strength to survive and go forward through crises. As Ed Frost, one of our ministers, said, We may not be able to define the spirit with precision, but we can note its absence. We all need more strength. We need more positive attitude. We need that spirit called courage, that spirit called love, That spirit may lead others blindly away, but with our rational proclivities, it is not likely to do so with us. Bill Scholes, when he was president of the Unitarian Universalist Association, wrote of a great Native American chief who, responding to a question about the secret of his tribe's longevity and success, replied, Well, yes, it's true, we are a disorganized tribe, but... We are on pretty good terms with the great spirit. That's us, I would add. Indeed, we are pretty disorganized. Seem to even fight organization for some strange reason, but, well, that's another sermon. And yet, I have every certainty that we are on good terms with the great spirit which is calling us. We may not be able to come to a consensus and a core message for our UU faith, but there is something at the center. The principles are there, and the old values of reason and freedom and acceptance, along with the new values of spirituality, community, and service. The spirit of love that was there at the center for the early universalists who believed that God was a loving spirit and that God's love was for all people. Our forebears knew that religion wasn't about the letter of the law, not about the words, but about the spirit. 
The first Unitarians trusted that spirit. They said it was in everyone, that we were united by it, and that we should listen to it. Indeed, the first Unitarians trusted that spirit so much that in one of the early Unitarian catechisms in Rakhov, Poland in 1665, they wrote down what they believed and they did something extraordinary. On the front page of that catechism, they wrote, this is what we believe now, but feel free to change it. No other catechism, probably even since, has done that. They said, we know and believe you will learn and discover more truth. Feel free to develop your faith. The Spirit is speaking to us still. We just are not too clear on where it is taking us, so we're a little reluctant to trust it. We are afraid, in fact, that the Spirit is asking us to change, and so we resist it. Let me illustrate this with a personal story. It's a story about conducting my first funeral service. In 1973, just starting an internship in Evanston, Illinois, in exchange for staying at the minister's home for the summer, I was to perform any rites of passage requested. Unfortunately, One day, the church secretary informed me of a request to do a non-member funeral. I met with the family, but felt uneasy afterwards. And not just because I didn't know what I was doing, but because the widow had kind of raised the expectations a bit. She said all of Joe's life, he did good things for other people. No one recognized that. It was ever nice to him. And now, finally, you are going to do good for Joe. I wanted to tell her that this is my first funeral lady. (laughs) I want to say that my internship supervisor was away. Uh, I wanted to say the truth that I didn't even have the rites of passage class yet. (laughs) I wanted to tell her that I was a little uncertain about what I was doing, but knowing that would not instill confidence, I didn't tell her the truth. I didn't say anything. I went home. I spent two days preparing a eulogy and selecting readings. When I arrived at the funeral home, the funeral director informed me that this particular family was very demonstrative in their grief. He then pushed me through a doorway into a darkened room. To my left, in an open casket, was, I assume, Joe. Right in front of me was the immediate family, And off to my right were 200 witnesses. I began my readings, and at a certain point in my eulogy, I said, now that he is dead, when his widow jumped up, threw herself on the floor in front of me, and yelled, saying, don't say he's dead! I looked at Joe. (laughs) He looked dead. (laughs) I looked at the witnesses here, and I said, as I had written, let us say his spirit lives on. Well, indeed, as it turned out, 
Fortunately, her family helped her back into her chair, and I continued. However, what happened is that I had kind of liked that line. I thought it a good one. And so I had put it in my script two more times. <laughs> and not having yet the experience to know that perhaps I should change and drop it, I said it. And each time I said, now that he is dead, she would jump up out of her seat, throw herself down on the floor, and say to me, don't say he's dead. I would say, let us say his spirit lives on. Finally, I reached the end of my script. I was ready to go home by now, but it was not to be. The inconsolable widow wanted me to accompany them to the cemetery for the burial. At the graveside, I was going through my dust-to-dust, ashes-to-ashes routine when the widow interrupted me again. She had thrown herself on Joe's closed coffin and was pounding on it with her fist and yelling, Daddy, Daddy, can you hear me, Daddy? When she stopped and she looked at me, and perhaps thinking I or perhaps she was from a Catholic background, she said, Father. She looked at me and she said, Father, can he hear me? Well, by this point, I was at the end of my pastoral patience. And so I told her what I believed was the truth. I said, I don't know. Well, that had some effect on her in that she got up off the coffin and sat back down. I finished my readings, got in the hearse, and went home to recover. I survived, but I did not inspire. I did not transmit the Spirit through me and my ministry that day, for I was not listening to the Spirit. The Spirit was telling me, telling me to say something else, but no, I stuck to the same old script. It is hard to change, but everything does. Our Unitarian Universalist religion has changed in some ways, but it is still animated by that liberal spirit of love and truth that led the early Unitarians and Universalists to share their faith with us. Unitarian Universalism is not dead. It is not dying. That spirit of love and truth lives on through us. The spirit is there. We can't definitively define it. It's a spirit. It defies definition, but it is there at the center of our faith. It is there, and I believe it can be trusted, that spirit of love and truth, that spirit some call God, some call humanness with its inherent worth and dignity, and some leave nameless. That spirit has been calling us, it's been leading us, and is waiting for us to come together to help create a more loving religious community and world. I know that we will, because I believe in that spirit of goodness that is inside each and one of us, for I've seen that spirit inside all Unitarian Universalists, and I see it inside other people too. 
It's there. You can point it out most clearly in the famous Unitarian Universalist. But you can see it also in the multitude of Unitarian Universalists who courageously face despair, disease, death, injustice, such as we mentioned the members and ministers of the congregation in Knoxville. We see it in UUs who, who come to church to be served, to, not to be served, but to serve, who come to help build the beloved community and transform the world with our love. Are we growing in spirit? Yes, we are. We see it in the 626 congregations that participated in Association Sunday last year. That's more than we ever had to do one thing together before. We see it in an increasing number of congregations whose members are giving generously, even in these challenging economic times, to their own congregations and to the work of the association and special collections. Are we growing in spirit? Yes, we are. You see it in increasing collaboration among congregations. In this area, I know there's been some. In uh, central Pennsylvania, six of our congregations are getting together doing a UU revival as their celebration of Association Sunday. You see it in congregations who bravely act to transcend our personal and institutional limitations. For example, it was my privilege to represent President Sinkford at the All Souls Unitarian Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma at their services on September 7th. He couldn't make it but wanted to be there to witness and bless an experiment that congregation is undertaking. For a local African-American United Church of Christ congregation is leaving that fold and is going to merge with the All Souls Unitarian Church there in Tulsa. And that was the Sunday of their first joint service. Now, this UCC group is Pentecostal in worship, meaning that they really sing, they wave their hands, they feel the Spirit. They are universalist in theology, which they say means that God loves everyone. However, let us admit, as Martin Luther King said, Sunday morning is the most segregated hour in America. Even though, according to the Latin root of the word religion, it means to bring people together for greater strength. Well, there, in all souls, in that congregation, that is what they are doing. I think we can say that they uh, have got religion in that church. Yes, indeed, when I was there, I saw white people raise their hands alongside black people and shout hallelujah in a Unitarian Universalist congregation. Now, whether they succeed in creating and sustaining a multicultural congregation, you have to admire their courage, how far they are willing to go to grow in spirit. They are experimenting bravely, following the admonitions of the spirit. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> Amen, sister. <laughs> However we define or understand spirituality, we all need some of that spirit. We also all need to slow down, become more centered, develop inner strength, and the courage to help create a better world. We may not have a consensus on what spirituality means, but we can agree that we need to be clear and centered and more effective, organized in our faith. 
We need to grow our faith in one another, in Unitarian Universalism, and in the good we can do for others. That spirit is calling us, asking us to be committed to help heal a wounded world. I hear that spirit now more and more. So when one of our ministers recently asked me specifically, when I said that Association Sunday is developing resources to help us grow in spirit, he asked me, he said, what spirit do you mean? Do you mean the Holy Spirit? And I said, yes, I do. That spirit is holy to me, sacred, divine. But those are words that work for me. Whatever words work for you, whatever we call it, certainly that same spirit that was calling him, was calling me, is calling you. Whether it is our group, our human, or the Holy Spirit, we are called to grow it. That spirit is calling us to be honest, gracious, and generous. It's a liberal spirit, a loving spirit, a spirit that helps us find more truth, and I trust it. And that is why today I trust you. That is why today I appreciate this opportunity to celebrate Association Sunday with you. And that is why I'm asking you to give generously for the development of new programs for lay theological education and for developing the excellence of our shared ministry. We are asking congregations to contribute an average of $50 per member. And because we know that many people cannot afford to give at that level, and yet some people can afford to give more than that, because we know that, and I happen to be one of those fortunate people, I have a check I've brought that I would like to give for $250 to help First Universalist reach its goal of giving generously. The Spirit is calling us to grow. It's a liberal spirit. If you look up the word liberal in the dictionary, one definition, my favorite, that I found once, is it says that a liberal is one who is generous of spirit. May it be so.